all of these things. And I want to spend a few moments looking at a couple of things that are found in verse 33 that I think will be a help to you and I, and especially in the times that we're living in. I've been spending a lot of time here in the last several weeks and months as we see things in the world that are happening. We see uh, problems with government. We see problems uh, with um, uh, humanitarian things that are going on and uh, a lot of catastrophes, a lot of uh, weather-related things. And uh, the truth is, when we uh, see a lot of these things happening, uh, the Bible says, you know, there's going to come in those days uh, people that are going to say, peace, peace, and there is no peace. And they're going to be talking about it and wanting it. There, uh, there's going to be uh, wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be great catastrophes. And uh, Jesus doesn't, he says, of the day and the hour knoweth no man. So we don't know the day and the hour of the Lord Jesus' return. But one thing we do know is the season of the times, at least. And he says when there are certain things that are found that you're to lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. And things that we can certainly know that, that time is getting close. And I believe that we see those things in the day that we live. And I know I've had conversations with folks in recent days. Some say, well, there were people that even in the time of Christ thought it was in that day. And, uh, you know, what's, what's different than today? And really the only difference is that we're this much closer to His return than they were back then, uh, certainly. And uh, whether He comes in my lifetime or not is not the issue. The issue is whether I live every day as if He's coming in my lifetime or not. And that really ought to be the case for all of us. Uh, because the truth is, He may choose to, to wait another thousand years for all, all we know. He could um, orchestrate things in the world to where they clean up and things go along great for another thousand years. But you and I ought live with the idea of an imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so He teaches His disciples some things. And He gives them, I believe, some words in verse number 33 that will help them face some of the uncertainties of the days that are yet to come before them. And we certainly are living in days where there is a lot of uncertainty before us. Uh, more and more, almost by the day, almost by the hour, you can read news and you can see things that really tell us we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, COVID virus and the, the people that are trying to to uh, shut down things again. And we don't know that they're not going to come and shut down our church. Uh, we have already seen videos and, and places in Canada and other countries where they've come and arrested pastors for holding church services. And uh, I would like to think that if it came to that, you and I would be steadfast enough and strong enough to hold by our stand and our, our convictions and our beliefs. And all, I, all I'm saying by that is this, that we're facing some uncertain times, aren't we? And so I want us to take a look at verse number 33 and see some things that the Lord shared with the disciples. And some things that He, he tells us in verse 33 that I believe can be and will be a help to us in some of the uncertainty of the days ahead of us. I want us to start as we look at the first part of this verse. The Bible says, These things I have spoken unto you. Uh, I'm glad that the Lord speaks to us, aren't you? Uh, you say, Brother Greg, how does he do that? Do you go out in the woods somewhere and start meditating and then this audible voice comes to you? No, that's not the way God speaks to us today. The way God speaks to us today is by reading His Word and with the, uh, the unction, the leading of the Holy Spirit as we read His Word. He speaks things to us. He tells us things. And uh, we understand those things through His Word and through the leading of the Holy Spirit as we read His Word. But I want us to understand this that some of the comfort that these disciples had 
was because the Lord Jesus spoke to them. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to happen. I'm glad that the Lord didn't just leave the future of the world uh, a mystery to us. We've read the end of the book. We know how it ends. I'm thankful that He has spoken. And you say, well, what is the purpose of prophecy? I think there's two purposes of prophecy. Uh, I, 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 we, we've had a lot of, in the past in our church, we've had a lot of teaching on prophecy. Back when Brother Randy was here, we went through, I think, a year or two of going through the book of Revelation and uh, had great opportunity to go through prophecy. There's a lot of exciting things when you study prophecy, but I believe there's two purposes for it. One of them is uh, to uh, help us to have comfort and peace about knowing what's coming ahead of us, to not have uncertainty in those days, uh, to not be... I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, I'm disappointed in things that are happening today, but it ought not to be surprised by it. Because the truth is, we've already, we've already seen it in Scripture. It's coming. It's going to happen. And for the Lord's return to happen, there's some things that have to take place. There's some things that have to happen in this world to get things lined up for the things that are going to happen according to the Bible. And so while we should be concerned over them, and we certainly ought to pray over them, we ought not be anxious over them. We ought not be worried over them. So I believe that prophecy helps us having the Lord speak to us through His Word about things that are going to happen. I think number one is to help us to have peace during those times. But secondly, it ought to be something that is a motivating factor for us to do the work that God's called us to do while we have the time to do it. If we know that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent, then we ought to be diligent doing what He's commanded and commissioned us to do. I'm certain that by the time the Lord rose and, um, and had been a few days with the disciples, and then He ascends to heaven and He gives them what we refer to as the Great Commission, I am certain that the days of, of Him telling them things like verse number 33 were important to the urgency that they served with. For them to understand that He is going to come again. He is going to die. He is going to be buried. He is going to raise again. He is going to ascend to heaven. He's going to be away from them for a while. And He even tells them this. And then He says, then I'll come back and I'll take you. And He even told John, He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Can I tell you this? There is great peace in knowing that, and there is great motivation in serving God because of that. And I believe that prophecy and what God does in speaking to us through His Word serve those two purposes for a Christian. They give great peace to us. They give great motivation and conviction to do the work that God has called us to do. And so verse number 33, uh, we have a great work to be done. These uncertain days, what are we, how are we supposed to respond? How are we supposed to react? Well, God has given us some things in Scripture, hasn't He? He's given to us to help us to have great peace during these times. Let not your heart be troubled. And to motivate us to do the work that God's called us to do. Life is a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See then that you walk circumspectly. The fact that we are to be busy doing the work that God has given for us to do. And um, when I was in college, uh, we had a skit character that came into to, uh, chapel every once in a while and would do something funny just to kind of entertain the kids and for part of the, uh, just to try to, to be an encouragement to the kids. And the skit character was, he was a superhero, 
and he came in with a big P on his chest and had a cape, and uh, the superhero was Procrastination Man. I'll save you. And he'd always jump on the platform and be like, I'll save you tomorrow, <laughs> Mr. Procrastination Man. Because the human nature has a tendency to procrastinate. Things that are difficult. Maybe things that we look at. And if we're not careful in the Christian life, we'll procrastinate doing what God has given for us to do. We've been studying Nehemiah. I've enjoyed Nehemiah. I love what he said to Sanballat today as we looked at it, didn't you? As we got into that fifth or sixth chapter, and Sanballat said, Hey, I want you to come talk to me. Come over to Ono and let's talk together, you know. He said, Why should I? There's a great work to be done. Why should the work cease? Can I tell you this? God speaking, Jesus Christ speaking to the disciples here. The Bible says, These things have I spoken unto you, and He's going to tell us why. He says, these things have I spoken, and, and I like the little two little words, unto you. I think that, that's an important part of this verse. God didn't just write the book of the, or the, the what we call the Bible for whoever wants to listen to it and just kind of in general. He wrote it to me. Years ago, when I, the, the Bible I had right before this one, uh, it was the same, same type of Bible, study Bible, and I had all my notes in it from college. And uh, growing up and doing uh, personal study and different things, it's, it still had a ton of notes in it. And uh, in the very beginning of that Bible, in fact, I don't know if I did it in this one or not. It might have. But in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter number 1, uh, I wrote the two words. I wrote, Dear Greg. And uh, then I went to the very end of Revelation and I put, Your loving Heavenly Father. And the reason I did that was I wanted to constantly be reminded that this book was not just written for the world, it was written for me. That there is something personal about what God has in this book for me. I think a lot of times we study the Bible and say, boy, the world really needs this. No, I really need this. It needs to be something personal. I like what he says here when he says, these things have I spoken unto you. Disciples, I want you to understand this. I'm saying these things to you. I didn't say it to the multitudes. I'm saying it to you. This is personal. This is something I want you to know. Can I tell you this? That is a great, great strength in the days that we live. As we read Scripture and we realize this isn't just written for the generality of all people. This is written for me. This is written to give my heart comfort. Lest we should read Scripture and say, well, that will give somebody comfort. No, I want it to give me comfort. Well, that will give somebody motivation to serve God. No, I want it to give me motivation to serve. I don't want to come to Scripture and say, boy, that's a great truth. So-and-so needs it. I want to see that's a great truth. I need it. Very important. He says, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me... Boy, that's a great phrase. I love that. John said, John, John talked about it. And Jesus, when he was recording the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about abiding in me and I in you. The fact that we're to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's to be wrapped up in the fiber of our existence, the being of us. He's to be the thing that wraps up our hearts and causes us to daily wake up and say, I want to abide in Christ today. I want to walk in the Spirit today. And so he goes on, he says that in me, you might have, and I love this, you might have peace. Boy, there's some troubling things. If you take time to read chapter 15... And the first part of chapter 16, he's telling his disciples some things that are kind of troubling. I'm getting ready to leave you. 
Uh, you're, there's going to be some things ahead that you're not going to quite understand. He says, I'm telling you these things so that you can have peace. And he goes on to say this. In the world, ye... What's the next word? And look at it closely. In the world, ye what? You shall. Not might, not maybe. You shall have tribulation. Can I tell you this? It's coming. If it hadn't already come in your life, it's going to come. There is going to be tribulation. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There, there are times in our life where tribulation is going to come. You can mark it down. For somebody to get up and say, well, you ought to get saved and, and, uh, and your life will be great. There will never be any problems. You will never be sick again. You will never have a financial need again. And by the way, there's a lot of false teachers out there today teaching that garbage, aren't they? That is not what my Bible says. My Bible tells me that they have persecuted me, they've hated me, they're going to hate you. And that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, I shall suffer persecution. The Bible says, in the world we shall have tribulation. That's what my Bible tells me. The thing that I love about this verse is, God doesn't take the persecution and the tribulation away. What He does is He gives us grace to go through it. This is amazing. He's teaching His disciples. He says, I've written these things so that you can have peace. I've said these things, spoken these things unto you, that in Me uh, ye might have peace. And then He goes on to say, in the world ye have tribulation. But notice what He tells them to do. But be of what? <laughs> you ever tried to be cheerful in tribulation? That happens. I mean, some, somebody does you wrong or some circumstance of life has you down. And all you can do is say, wow, God, I'm so glad for that. That is not our typical response, is it? These disciples are getting ready to go through it. All but one of them are martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them in such a way that they said, don't do it in that manner. Because that's the way Christ was crucified. And I'm not even worthy to be crucified that way. Tribulation was coming. And Jesus said, I want you to be of good cheer. Tribulation's coming. The persecution's coming. The days of uncertainty are coming. But be of good cheer. That's a tough thing to tell somebody. How in the world can Christ tell us that in the uncertainty of days ahead, things that are certainly not going to go our way, things that are going to bring tribulation into our life, be of good cheer? Lord, how can you say that? For I have overcome the world. Can I tell you this? When I read those words, and I know what the disciples went through. I know the questions and the doubts. I understand the frustrations as they see their very Lord crucified before them. And even in the crucifixion, not fully understanding that He's going to raise again three days later. Many of them. He's gone. Peter went fishing. The rest of them said, I'm going back to my life. What else is there? My life is empty now. My life is gone. He's gone. They certainly had certainly had tribulation. They certainly had hopelessness. I am certain 
that they had uncertainty of the days ahead. Jesus was trying to tell them, be of good cheer. Lord, how can you say that? Because I have overcome the world. Can I tell you this? I don't care what happens in the days ahead. We talked about it a little bit in the service last hour. I think it's okay to be concerned. I have no doubt about that. I think it's okay to pray and to pray fervently for the day eight. I think we ought to pray for our leaders. We ought to pray for the things that are going on in the world today. But can I tell you this? We ought not be, be sad. We ought not be frustrated. We ought not be discouraged. We certainly ought not be fearful. Because as long as we are in Christ, there's great peace. And we can be of good cheer. You know why? Because no matter what happens to me, whether by life or by death, He has overcome the world. Paul said it this way, For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Whether by life or by death, God has overcome the world. And greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. I mean, if it is by death, we're going to heaven. And if it's not by death, we get the privilege to stay here and serve Him. What do we do in the days, these uncertain days? These days that these disciples were getting ready to see, and the Lord knew, the Lord knew the frailty of their hearts. Aren't you glad we have a Savior who understands our infirmities and our weakness of our flesh? He fully knows it. He works with it. He tells them, he said, be of good cheer. You're in the world, the tribulation is coming. But be of good cheer. You're going to suffer persecution, but be of good cheer. The days are going to bring things that don't make sense, and you're going to be uncertain, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you. These things have I spoken unto you. That in me you might have peace. Can I encourage you in this? Don't let your heart be troubled in the days ahead. I think as God's people we pray. We seek for God to give us opportunity to serve Him and to be faithful to Him. We remain steadfast and unmovable. But we are of good cheer. Because we live every day and every moment of every day knowing this fact. That He has overcome the world. I'll tell you, I hope that will encourage us. We live in some very uncertain times. I have dealt with a lot of folks in the last seven or ten days. A lot of folks. My phone is almost rung off the hook with people concerned. Pastor, what, what do you think of this? What are we, what are we supposed to be doing? What, what are we and nervous and worried? Can I say this? Let's be a good cheer. We've read the book. We know the end. And God wins. And we get to go with Him. Be of good cheer. Tribulation, maybe. Persecution, maybe. And we may have to endure hardness. We may have to endure discomfort. But we can still be of good cheer. And let not your faith be shaken. Don't let it grow weak. Don't sit here and fret and bite your nails. Our previous pastor, Brother Andy, used to say, when in worry or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout, because he said that's about all it's worth.
Worrying and doubting is not going to do anything for you. Years ago, right before my dad passed away, there was a little song that my kids, they were little then and cute. Jonathan's old and ornery now. My girls are still cute, but Jonathan, you know, he's old and ornery. They were cute back then. They sang like these girls did this morning and just precious, you know. And there was a little song they sang, Why Worry When You Can Pray. And it became my dad's favorite song. He went through pancreatic cancer and I don't know how many times he was hurting and laying in bed in a lot of pain and he'd have the grandkids come over and sing that. Did his heart well. And the song goes, Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, He'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Rest fully on His promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for words that are of great comfort to us. Lord, there's no doubt we are living in some uncertain times. Times that, if we're not careful, will bring anxiety and concern and worry. And Lord, while we may pray for these things and be burdened for them, help us not to worry. May we be of good cheer, knowing that You have overcome the world. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. May we live with these thoughts upon our hearts, upon our minds. May we live in such a way that we are encouraged, that we have peace about what the future holds, but also motivated and convicted about the great work that you have before us that is yet to be accomplished. May we then be diligent. May we leave this place looking to this week for opportunities of service to share the gospel, to encourage others. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see fruit for our labors. May we see souls saved, lives changed. Dismiss us now with your blessings. Thank you for the wonderful time we've spent together as a church and as your people. Thank you for the great thrill it is to our hearts to have this time together around your word, around these songs, around the time of fellowship. May we live this week with eternity in view, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.